This episode is brought to you by Carolina Business Equipment. With offices in Charleston, Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, Carolina Business Equipment can supply your copiers, computers, and printers anywhere in the state of South Carolina. Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today, and make sure you tell him that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina, is your one-stop shop for all of your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and the most competitive prices in the low country. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook by searching for One Stop Repairs. Call for a quote today at 843-343-6310. That's the number one one-stop repairs. You're listening to another wrestling episode of Tap House and Touchdowns, featuring your guy, Bully Rye, and PJ Steven, presented by Anchor Podcasts. That's right, everybody. Welcome to the newest live episode of Tap House and Touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye, alongside the wrestling show co-host, as always, PJ Steven. I'm going to point the right direction at some point. We're going to get the hang of this. Uh, I don't, think you, I don't think you will, but that's okay. That's okay. Listen, I'm going to do my best uh, to to try to get it right one day. Um, but sometimes your best isn't, isn't good enough. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, no, hold on. If it, According to Twisted Sister, if that's your best, your best won't do. Okay. There you go. Let's, I mean, let's listen, get it together twist- a little bit. I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes we just gotta say we're not gonna take it. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Don't All listen. Right, don't I'm out. I'm don't out. go chasing waterfalls. Is that TLC? Oh my god! Yeah, that's TLC. <laughs> no, oh you ever seen? God. You ever seen the movie with uh, with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, the other guys, with Michael Keaton's their boss? Oh yeah, I, I think I've seen yeah. it a long time ago. That's the, like, hey. is, that the, is that the movie with the uh, Gator don't play no shit? Yeah, get get him, give him a Gator don't play no shit. Yeah, yeah. Um. PJ, welcome to the show. How's, how's everything going, man? Everything going fantastic, good? terrific, great, uh, great weekend. I attended a auction at Soundwave uh, Comics and bought a bunch of stuff, um, a, a lot of stuff. Uh, just gearing up for the show there, April twenty second at Soundwave. I got to watch some fantastic wrestling, uh, including my boy. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it. My boy Sonata defeating Kazuchika Okada. For the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, boy, howdy, was that amazing. You, if anyone friend of the show has watched the show, they know that I'm such a Sonata mark. And, um, God, I was so happy to see him win. Uh, I don't know where they're going to go with it. It's pretty cool that they're letting uh, Sonata kind of run with the ball, kind of like they would kind of like what they did with Shingo Takagi. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to see how that goes. But We're we're gonna have to review that show some somewhere down the line here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. I want to quick give a quick shout out to everybody who's gonna be watching with us. Uh, make sure your comment, whatever platform you're on, so we can you can bring your comments on the show. Uh, Facebook.com slash tap outs and touchdowns, youtube.com slash tap outs and touchdowns, uh, and then Twitter at tap outs and TDs. You can find the live feed there. Um, if you saw social media earlier today, you know that we are going in the Wayback Machine uh, today, and we're gonna talk about a classic. WCW, NWO pay-per-view, if you can't see in the background behind us. We're doing Spring Stampede 1998. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get into Break It Down. 
Uh, we're going to talk about some of the storylines going in. And PG, I'm going to sort of turn this over to you here because um, there was uh, there was definitely some matches to be had, and one that was just kind of one match that was just thrown in the middle of the card. But um, I mean, there's there's a lot of fun stuff going into the show. So why don't you get to start us off here um, with some of the background going into this pay per view? Sweet. So uh, I wanted to do this pay per view um, because I I really enjoyed like as much as '97 is probably the greatest year of wrestling in my opinion. Like uh, definitely, I mean, I guess you have the '80s, but like '97 is probably um, uh, the most I don't know successful, I guess. Um, but we got a lot of really killer storylines leading up to 98. And of course, after Spring Stampede goes to my favorite WCW pay-per-view, um, Slamber, or, uh, yeah, Slamboree 98, which is really cool. Not my favorite pay-per-view, but like my favorite um, type of WCW pay-per-view. Slamboree was always my favorite, and 98 was really killer. So we're just gearing up for some great storylines here. Uh, I'll start off a little bit talking about we're uh, in the second match. You're going to have Chavo Guerrero Jr. taking on Ultimo Dragon. Ultimo Dragon being one of my favorites. Uh, we're going to talk about that later, actually. But we're doing the storyline where Eddie Guerrero, his uncle, Chavo's uncle, is kind of tutoring him and trying to get him under his wing and, and, and all this. And really funny, really, really good stuff there. Uh, also, the pay-per-view before this is Uncensored 98 which has Sting taking on Scott Hall for the World Heavyweight Champion and Sting retaining, uh, as well as Savage versus Hogan in a cage match. So um, on Censor 98, great stuff. Uh, man, Booker T and Chris Benoit for the WCW Television Champion. If you know anything about uh, late 90s WCW, one of the top five things that they ever did was do the best of seven with Benoit and Booker T. Am I right, Frick? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, these guys had the chemistry – um, they, they met, they meshed well together. They always put on a good story in the ring. Um, so this is like pre preluding their, their best of seven series. Um, they, they made it clear this is for the WWE world television championship, made it clear that on like television programs, WWE Saturday night, Nitro, what have you, there's normally a 10 minute time limit. And this was given no time limit for this match. Uh, so we were able to see them go past that normal um, time limit draw that they would see for the television title all too often during this period in WCW. But yeah, um, it's really something, something really to, uh, good to look forward to yeah. uh, on this card. Another great storyline, skipping a few matches, another great storyline obviously is uh, from Super Brawl 98 when uh, Scott Steiner turned his back on his brother Rick Steiner. Um, and now we're just trying to get to that Rick Steiner versus Scott, Rick Steiner versus Scott. We have an injury angle here with Buff Bagwell uh, injuring his wrist, I believe it is, arm yeah. or something. Yeah, and, he's, uh, he comes out of the ring with like a like a wrap job. Yeah. Like it's got a cast or whatever. And, and of he's, course, you know. J.J. Dillon's going to come out with the, the doctor. The doctor's going to pinch his arm and it's going to hurt. So then he's going to use the hurt arm to grab J.J., which gets a crowd, gets a pop from the crowd. Super fun. Um, so decent tag match. Uh, I guess we'll get into the match, but it's just leading up to that um, final clash between Scott Steiner and Rick because we yeah. truly didn't we didn't get quite the payoff in this one, but we definitely will. Uh, yeah, the but, idea is that that ever since Scott turned on Rick, he wouldn't face Rick Steiner face to face. He would only face his brother coming from behind. Correct. Um, yeah, and that's and that's that's where we're going with with this angle here. So I'm gonna skip uh, one of the storylines and go to. Um, a lesser one 
uh, in the order of matches. But uh, Raven and DDP, in my opinion, had one of the greatest rivalries in WCW. It was when you talk about chemistry, you look no further than DDP and Raven. Super fun. Um, they take on D- DDP takes on Raven in this pay per view for the United States uh, champion. Um, great. And by the way, the United States, I never get over how great, how awesome that belt looks. The United States heavyweight belt, it, to me, is still my favorite. Um, and this actually leads to a cage match, Slamboree 98, Ravens Rules, bra- uh, uh, yeah, Ravens Rules cage match, which is great. But now let's get to the main event, because the main event has Randy Savage taking on Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, no disqualification. But that also co-inlines with Hogan and Nash taking on Roddy Piper and the Giant in a baseball bat on a pole match. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's a baseball bat on a pole match, which leads me to my next question. Frick, what's your favorite baseball bat on a pole match? I knew this question was coming. Listen, I want to get into this subject specifically when we get to that match Um, because it's – yeah. I can't wait to get into how tall the damn pole was. (laughs) Whose idea was that? Uh, But anyway – so let's talk about it. There is Ascension in the NWO, which is crazy because it's only been around for two years yeah. um, at this point, or around two years. Um, but you have Nash and Hogan kind of, you know, who's the leader, who's the leader. And then you have Savage kind of creeping around too, tried to take control of the NWO as well. It, it's very tricky. And soon, we're only a couple of months away, guys, from the Wolfpack, um, which is going to show, of course, Kevin Ash, Conan, Luger, Sting, um, I think uh, uh, no, I think Savage was with the Wolfpack. Savage, yeah, it was. It was. was it wasn't okay. Yeah, the Wolfpack started off with Hennig and and uh, Rick Rude, um, Sting, Luger, Hall. Um, not Hall. Yeah, Hall was there for like two seconds. Nash, uh, K Dog, and yeah. did I mention Sting already? So then, yeah. obviously, um, Hall was the 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 quickest member to leave, and then it was Hennig and, and Rude because he went. And yeah, so he it was went just, back. It was just the five members of the Wolfpack. With he went Nash. back to the to the black and white. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so that all coincides with that. The main storyline that we get here is, is the NWO together? Is Hall, excuse me, is Hogan and Nash, go, are they going to be able to work together to take on Piper and Giant? Very unlikely team, but they looked good. But that's your main storylines going into Spring Stampede 98 to get you guys caught up a little bit. Um, great pay-per-view. I can't wait to get into it, though. we got a lot, got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so to, to PJ's point, it's um, the big storyline is still continuing to be NWO versus WCW. A lot of these matches on the card, fit, you know, they you faced off WCW versus NWO. Um, and then obviously, you know, it's the who's in charge. Where's the dissension with the NWO? Are they together? Or are they are they not? Who's in charge? Like, it's basically what PJ said. So a lot of fun stuff going there. This is Can generally... I, you know, I want to ask you, do you think that, to, again, to your point... We have an NWO its storyline going on with its with itself right now, and then you mentioned a WCW versus NWO rivalry as well, which has been going on since '96. Do does that take away from matches like Booker T and Benoit or DDP and Raven that it's just WCW versus WCW, or do you think the WCW did a good job at balancing that kind of stuff out with the storytelling? I think you had to, right? Like, I think you had to be able to balance out the NWO, WCW dynamic. And then guys that are just out there to make a name for themselves, guys that are going for championships, guys that are, yeah, they're focused on the NWO thing. But, like, Raven, all he cared about was his flock. 
Um, DDP had been fighting with Macho Man for a while. Um, he'd been fighting with Kurt Hennig for the U.S. title and in, in general. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, it's it's WCW had to do a good job of of creating the the dynamic where wrestlers in WCW are looking to elevate themselves while also making sure that the NWO doesn't take over. Um, it's it's really hard to compare uh, because like the 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 goal was for the NWO to have its own show. Like the NWO was going to get Nitro, WCW was going to get Thunder. Yeah. Um, Bischoff has been very adamant about that throughout the years. But my question is, would the NWO roster sort of been like SmackDown and Raw the way it is now? Like would the NWO have wrestled other NWO guys and same thing with WCW? And then there'd just be like a takeover um, on, on one of the shows from time to time, sort of like the Survivor Series um, angles that we see with Raw versus SmackDown when your NXT um, was in here. Um, quick shout out, uh, Desmond Johnson watching along, the host of the Rundown with Desmond Johnson on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Um, if you didn't watch the football uh, show last week, um, I will be starting a Carolina Panthers podcast this week. Um, the Cat Cave, Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm actually recording that later tonight. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Kind of dipping my toes in a little bit of everything right now. I know PJ's thrilled with, with football. So, so talk you're going to you're going to you're going to do a Carolina Panthers podcast about like about like how much they lose or like, I mean, what do you're doing? funny, PJ. It's, it's okay. I, just oh. did. I used, I used to be a Panthers fan too. And then I grew up because like, yeah. I knew that I would never win. My dad was um, a Panthers fan. That's the only reason I like the Panthers. I actually hung out with, with uh banker bill over the weekend. And I keep reminding him that we're going to get him to pick, to predict a pay-per-view one day. And you're going to come on when football season comes around to predict football games. And, I'm just yeah. so excited about that. I'm, speaking, I'm so of, uh, speaking of late 90s WCW, the other reason I like the Panthers is because of Kevin Green. Oh, yeah, Kevin. Dude, that was my first ever football jersey. Fun fun fact. Really? Wore, Kevin Green? I wore a Kevin Green uh, Panthers jersey in elementary school. Wow. And it, there was one that. other guy. I, I can't remember his name. I want to say his name was Mark. Um, but we were we would – it would be fun if we ever got – like because we don't both wear our Panthers jerseys to school – and it was just on the, on the off chance that we both wore it the same day. It was like a little, like, a too sweet because we're both wearing Panthers jerseys. But nevertheless, yeah. I remember, I remember when Kevin Green went to the Hall of Fame. I was sitting at a bar um, and just watching him go in. And I was like, man, he looks good, you know. He goes, and the guy beside me was like, man, he did the most running, Bubba. He did duh, 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 most tackles, blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, none of that matters, man. He he teamed up with Piper and Flair and defeated Hall, Nash, and Six at Slamboree 97. Okay, yeah. so – yeah, you know, he, we don't you don't need your your the stat this the stat that he was throwing out there was that he uh I'm not I think he still does he holds the record for record for most most sacks by a linebacker in NFL history so um that might be what he was talking about nevertheless I, I'm right there with you um PJ this is generally the time that we take a break um but I'm gonna give the the fans a, a little bit of a reprieve this week we're not gonna take any commercial breaks this week. Um, so enjoy this ad-free episode. The YouTube, the YouTube and the and the live shows are normally ad-free anyway, but we're gonna go ad-free on the podcast as well as a little so treat. You guys are getting a taste of what the live audience gets, so you should just join us live. You'll get that all the time. Yeah, and if you hop in, make sure you leave a comment behind and we'll read them on the show. So we're gonna be talking uh Slamboree, not or Slamboree. Listen to me. You've already got Slamboree on the mind. I know. I love Slamboree. Go ahead. Spring Larry. Stampede 1998 is, is what we're going to be discussing today. So let's move on from Break It Down and get right into the main event. Where we're going to get into this card here. And the show starts off with a match between WCW against Raven's Flock. And there's 
we talked about dissension. There's more dissension in Ravens flock here. There's there's sort of um, some some tension here with uh, Saturn and the rest of the flock. Saturn comes to the ring with uh, Billy Kidman, and he has taken on Goldberg. Goldberg wins this match in eight minutes and ten seconds. Um, PJ, this match was good until it wasn't. Like what what happened in this match that that took that turn to make it that typical Goldberg match here? Uh, just, just Gaga. It was, uh, it was a little sloppy. Saturn was trying a lot of high risk stuff where it just wasn't necessary. Um, but still not, not a terrible match. I gave it two stars in my notes. I mean, it, it was, it, it was all right. Just another, um, just another streak win for all Goldberg. And, I mean, um, this win puts him, uh, next night on Nitro taking on the winner of DDP and Raven for the uh, United States champion, which is fun. Yeah, I mean, listen, there was a lot of cool stuff that you don't normally see Goldberg doing in this match. He did hit that super kick that ended Bret Hart's career on Saturn in this match. Um, it did get sort of sloppy at the end just because I think Goldberg got blown out. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he saw the flock try to get involved, specifically Kidman. Kidman eats a spear. Um, and then Saturn goes to put on the the rings of Saturn on Goldberg and Goldberg yeah. basically lifts him up and if I'm not mistaken that might have been the same time where he he reverses it and sort of muscles him around into like a a, a half hearted jackhammer if you will yeah and gets the gets the pin like you said another streak win and just, um, you know I got sick of Goldberg and I know that's what his character is supposed to be his gimmick supposed to be is just this powerful truck of a man. But man, his no selling was really bothering yeah. me. Gets thrown into the post, head first to the steel, and just oh, I'm all right, you know. Just yeah, some of the, some of the things were just just kind of hindsight looking back at it. I was just like, God, geez, you know man. something. You know something that drove me the, the most crazy about this match was the fact that Goldberg didn't seem like he knew how to hit the ropes. Like he, was getting, <laughs> he was getting whipped in the ropes late in yeah. the match, and he sort of like like kind of like back bumps the ropes instead of like you know. Again, if you if you never like trained in a ring, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you gotta you gotta lift that arm up and you gotta hit two different parts of your body on that rope. Yeah. And he just sort of like kind of bounced. It just it it drove me nuts, and I don't know why. Um, but it just showed how green Goldberg still was. Um, even after again, 78 wins, still green. I mean, again, this match was really really good. Like there was some impressive stuff being done until about maybe halfway through, and then it just kind of fizzled out. Like, again, you're not going to get five-star matches out of Goldberg, ever. Right. The, right. the DDP match is probably the closest thing to a five-star match that he'll ever have. DDP, Halloween Havoc, 98. Yep. Um, but but I digress. It was still a good match until it wasn't here. Another Goldberg win. Uh, next up on the card, PJ alluded to it in Break It Down, where um, you've got Chavo Guerrero Jr. sort of being, I don't know, aggressively – uh, aggressively, that'd be the right right way to put it. Aggressively led by Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero wants to wants him to win. Wants him to do the the cheat to win stuff here, which is funny because like towards the end of Eddie Guerrero's career, it was the I lie, I cheat, I steal in his theme music, and he's got cheat to win on his shirt. So like yeah. with Latino Heat and the Radicals, everything that he went through, it all came back to cheat to win, and that's what I like to see here. But nevertheless, Chavo Guerrero has to win against Ultimo Dragon to sort of alleviate some of the pressure that Eddie is putting on him and it doesn't happen. This match goes 11 minutes, 49 seconds. Ultimo dragon wins with a dragon sleeper. Um, it was fun to watch, but I'm not sure if I really want to talk about the match PJ. Like, is this some of the best stuff that Eddie and Chavo did like in their careers? 
I mean, I think it was between this and them being a tag team and uh, what is that, 04, 05? Maybe um, uh, when there was Los Guerreros. Yeah, Los Guerreros. Thank you. I, I thought that was their name, but I didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> and Ultimo Dragon is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So anytime I get to see him, plus I love the green and red. Super fun. Um, I'm disappointed no, you didn't bring the mask with you tonight. I'm, I'm disappointed. You oh, didn't you know bring what? I don't, packed. Don't even, yeah, I packed, yeah. I, it's, right. it's, pa it's packed. It's packed. It's pa There's a lot of stuff that's already packed in the office, ready to go. But yeah, I I did come across that. Um, that in my Facebook memories the other day of me meeting Ultimo Dragon, yeah. having him sign it. Anyway, um, but um, no, man, I love Ultimo Dragon. This match did go a little too long for me, but they were really trying to push that narrative of Eddie coaching his nephew and uh, just didn't work against Ultimo Dragon. Um, but still, great match. I, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, um, listen, anytime Eddie and Chavo got on screen, and this is when Chavo is still sort of fighting it. This is before Chavo breaks it starts bringing out Pepe that uh, the 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 horse the horse stick. I forgot what what, what yeah. those things are called. Um, but that was before before Chavo broke. He still got the serious gimmick with Eddie just yelling at him. And 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 the match sort of ended when uh, Ultimo Dragon uh, seemed to have gotten hurt in this match. And Eddie's like, "You get on him, you get on him." And Chavo wouldn't do it because the referee was holding him back. Yeah. And and it, Eddie just got irate. He jumped up on the apron, got the distraction, and and uh, Chavo went for the uh, the I forgot what he – I think it was the, the Tornado DDT that got reversed yeah. into the Dragon Sleeper to give Ultimo Dragon the win. When you, um, talk about, when you talk about Pepe real quick, it reminded me of a note that I had here. Uh, Saturn made a face during the Goldberg match, and it might have been when he was trying to put on the rings of Saturn, but he made a face, and all I could think of was him screaming at Raven in WWF when uh, Raven was shredding up his moppy. If you can remember that storyline, I remember. And I remember Saturn on the ropes going Moppy, and he made some face, and I, I, all I could think in my head was just like <laughs> Moppy. Do you remember uh, why he got that storyline in WWE? Right? Because he injured somebody, right? There was and, like, there was punishment? he was wrestling a jobber on Sunday Night Heat or Shotgun Saturday Night, one of those two. Yeah, and he, yeah, he beat and the, the guy was beat him up. Yeah, the guy was uh, the guy was working stiff. Um, and I think he actually landed like a knee or something to Saturn's <clears throat> head. So Saturn threw him out of the ring, and the dude landed on the top of his head. That's right. And and his punishment was, okay, you get to go out. You lose Terry Reynolds as a valet, and now you get a mop um, that looks like the – I forgot what the guy's name is on, on Aqua Team Hunger Force. Um, but it had that red mask on the mop. Yeah, it was just – you know, um, it, was, it was just like the Wilson thing. It, it was, yeah. That was just terrible creative. Well, some great creative here we've got. Um, oh, nice. I'm, nice. Not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was necessarily creative, other than, than just really good, good matches here. Uh, the television championship on the line here. Booker T defending against Crispin Waugh. 14 minutes, 11 seconds. Booker T retains after some Gaga, um, where Booker T goes for his Harlem sidekick and hits the referee. Yeah, ben that Waugh, was really yeah, awkward. It doesn't. It doesn't have. So I, let me get, let me get through it, and then I'll we'll, we'll talk about it. He goes to he hits the referee. Benoit gets him in the crossface. He taps out. Benoit revives the referee, and then Booker T gets the win anyway. Um, it didn't need to happen. You didn't need the guy. I know we're we're leaning towards that best of seven series, but I think this is completely unnecessary because these guys put on what can be argued was the best match on the card, in my opinion. Um, PJ, how'd you feel about this match? Well, I didn't – so you know me. I hate the Gaga. This, I it made a little bit of sense because you have Benoit then tapping out Booker T. 
But then is it an argument? It's an argument, though. It, did he reach for the ropes or did he reach for – or is he tapping out? And that just continues on the um, – it just continues on the um, uh, the storyline, which is great. I'm, I, I'm totally into it. Uh, however, you have Booker T losing the TV title uh, later on that year. And he goes against um, – uh, he loses it to Finley. Yeah. And Finley – goes to Slam 98 to take on Chris Benoit in a pretty good match. Yeah. So I, I I didn't really I didn't really get it, but at the same time I, I kind of understood it. Uh, but I, I did I did enjoy the did he tap? Did he try to grab the ropes? What was that? But the kick itself <laughs> looked really awkward. Yeah, listen, there's two things that came out of this match. One, um Booker T might be one of the best wrestlers in all of wrestling history to be completely honest um to the tragedy that happened with chris benoit and his family makes makes me a little like feel guilty to watch these kinds of matches because the matches are so good and you remember the good wrestling that benoit did and it's it's just you don't like to root for benoit in the matches that you're going back and watching because you know what what eventually would happen totally um, agree. totally agree i it's hard for me to separate the performer from the athlete or the performer from the person very hard to do. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we as wrestling fans, we have, we get, we have to get used to that. We, have, you know, yeah. uh, flair, uh, Ben, Hogan, um, Hogan, uh, Carlos Caron. I mean, uh, wrestling is pretty terrible. Um, yeah. if you all, all the ultimate warrior fans, good God, you got to separate yourself a lot because you got to mask the fact that he couldn't wrestle too. <laughs> um, I mean, and, yeah. he, and you couldn't un- you couldn't understand what he was saying in his promos either. Like, All the rocket fuel, yeah, yeah, just you know. But anyway, I digress. You're absolutely right. It is tough to watch sometimes. Um, it's I don't I don't mean to laugh at this. Lauren was sitting on the couch with me, and we were watching Slamory '98. And uh, as he was coming out, she walked past, and she goes, "Huh, he killed people," and kept walking. Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, Lord. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this match now because you reminded me of how terrible he was. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll, I I don't think it, it makes sense to do a show about Benoit, but um, everyone has their opinions on that situation, and I'm not sure if it's worth even hashing. Uh, real quick, before yeah. we move on to the next match, um, we've got co-host of the football show in here, um, <laughs> Becker Bill. Is this wrestling talk? You wanted to come in and see wrestling what you talk? Yeah. No, um, this is this is foosball talk. Excuse me. Foo- you, we're playing the foosball. It's the devil. We're going to lose all your foosball games. <laughs> God, that's such a good – that came on TV the other day. Um, let's move on here. Next match on the card was one of the shortest matches, if not the shortest match on the card. Uh, Kurt Hennig taking on the British Bulldog. Um, Storyline here that we didn't really get to. Uh, Rick Rude has been getting involved in matches. Um, with handcuffs, and so he's going to be handcuffed to Jimmy Anvil Neidhart at ringside. Um, Vincent, dressed up as a police officer, would come in and give uh, give the key to Rick Rude. Instead of Neidhart making sure that Rude isn't getting the handcuffs off of him, he's choking out Vincent, which allows uh, which allows Rude to get free, cost the British Bulldog the victory, 4 minutes, 48 seconds. Um, I gave this match a dud. Listen, you know I don't like to swear on this show, and I'm 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 – one of those that that try to get you not to do it, PJ. This is a total shit show. This was terrible. Oh, what a hypocrite! This I, was terrible. I have no way 
to express myself other than curse words, and you get to do it. Listen, your show. Listen, let's 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 be clear about something here. Um, yeah, I have to feel really passionate about something to drop that on this show, and that's how I, bad this match was. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm we got passionate. some more. I'm we, bad footballs for my body. Yeah, you know, you know the best part about that uh, about that movie is is when uh, Vicky Balancourt she just bites the head of the alligator and just yeah, so just chews it up. Um, Bill also isn't a big fan of uh, two dudes being handcuffed to each other as this match was. He said that's that's good entertainment for us. So glad Bill's here. Uh, getting involved in the uh, in the comments this makes me what? happy. Well, it's great entertainment because while this match only lasted four minutes, a football game where they throw a ball back and forth lasts for sometimes five hours. So um, I don't have that long to take a shit. So let's talk about the four-minute <laughs> match of British Bulldog and Kick. Yeah, and, I mean, listen, is there I really anything to say? I, well, no, but the, the, the potential of this match could have been fantastic because um, they're terrific talent. Of course, Kurt Hang, Mr. Perfect, we all know is just – Terrific in the ring, uh, British Bulldog. I'm, I've been going back and rewatching some of his stuff, watching uh, some '97 uh, WWF, and I'm, he's just a solid talent. Um, this match didn't need two guys being handcuffed to Bill's point. It could have just been a wrestling match, and it would have been great. I don't know if they cut this for time, um, but actually, they didn't cut it for time because they had 20 minutes to spare. Uh, they had and, they, three and they also had they threw another match in the card. We'll get to in a second. Correct. Yeah. yeah, they had they had three hours. They ended at 2:40. So I mean they. They they could have just made this a really really good match, but I digress. Well, whatever. I think the the most upsetting thing about watching this match is that Vincent is the only talent still living out of this match. Every single Ooh. person in this match passed away. Yeah, yeah, it's dark, it's but bad. it's the truth. It's, it's uh, totally the truth. Bolt. I mean, Rude was the first to go, but Hennig was gone. Bulldog was gone, and Nineheart's all gone. Just, and God, how great was Rude, man? I I I sometimes will go back and rewatch some early WCW '92 stuff, and just how makes, great he is. It makes me sad that I never got to see him live wrestle a match um, because he obviously couldn't take bumps, but he could give out some 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 beatings and uh, as heat, he did. The um, heat, man, the heat that he would get. Yeah, I just I I'm genuinely like because I didn't really get into WWF until probably 1995, which is when I really got into wrestling in general. And by then, um, Rude his Rude's wrestling career was already over. Yeah, um, I very very vaguely remember him as part of DX because. Again, I wasn't watching WWF at the time. It was all Nitro. It was um, we talked about this earlier off the air. I remember the first. I, I went back and started watching Nitro from the beginning in 1995, and my first wrestling show um, my mom took me to was Nitro, where Hogan and, and Savage took on Flair and Anderson in the main event. Um, and so it was always watching WCW. Didn't care about WWF. Um, and then one day I saw Rick Rude on WCW TV, and that's that was obviously the night he was infamously on both shows. He's the only wrestler to be on both shows. Yeah. On the same calendar same, night, same night, yeah, same night. Um, yeah. And so oh, again, was, back then, I, back then, I, I didn't understand the significance of it like I do now. And so I'm, I'm sort of like I never got to see Andre the Giant when he was alive because I, I didn't know of him when I was a kid. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely upset I never got to see Rick Rude in action live, um, like getting to see him before he had to retire due to injury. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, neither one of these guys. Well, I guess one of them maybe semi-retired. I haven't heard him. Um, but the other guy is going strong late into his late 40s. Maybe, maybe he turned 50 this year. I can't remember. Um, we had a cruiserweight championship match between the defending champion uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Prince Iakea. This guy, match goes 9 minutes, 55 seconds. Um, Prince Iakea is like... Uh, yeah, I'm glad, that, I'm glad this is here. Yeah, give me, tell he me. Is, he is 
garbage. And I need he, to know why you hate Prince Ikea. This match wasn't bad. I I I think Prince Ikea was just awful, and he just was terrible in the ring. And he couldn't cut a promo. He was the promos fair. They he he they he they put him in the uh, cruiser. They put him in the cruiserweight division, and I don't think he belonged there. He was a mid carder at best. Um, yeah, I just. No, I, I never felt him. And for some reason, WCW loved him. Put him in so many cow. I don't know. I, don't, I never. He was a television him. champion, too. Oh, see, he was a TV champion. I was just going to say, I don't think that they gave him a belt. But yeah, you're right. They gave him the TV belt. I don't know. Prince Iakea is just horrible. I don't think this match. I, listen, we know this is probably the, the biggest disagreement we've ever had. I don't think he's terrible. Oh, man. This match wasn't bad. I mean, you, you think this match was bad? No, the match wasn't bad, but Prince Ikea like definitely didn't make it great. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, man. I don't like. What about? Does he not know how to take a bump? Like, was no, he, is I, he clumsy? Like, what is it? I, like, I think, I think he he looks awkward to me in the ring. Um, I by the way, he was cruiserweight champion twice, so they okay. made a mistake. They made a mistake twice. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um. Anyway, no, I, I I think he he's just awkward in the ring to me, and um, yeah, just not a big not a big not a big uh, fan of it. I do remember him. Uh, I didn't remember this at first, but I did remember uh, Jericho taking his Hawaiian dress like thing, the dress thing at yeah, the yeah. very end. That was pretty funny. I had forgotten about that, and he wore that for a good while too. Because yeah, no, he took trophies I, I, from everybody that he beat. Yeah. I think Prince Ikea is just what like awkward. Like he's he's almost as bad to me as Bret Hart's entire WCW career, and that's pretty bad. I, I still think his, his Bret Hart's career was better in WCW than Prince Ikea was, but that's not a knock on Ikea. I thought you were no, but Bret, Bret Hart's WCW career was god awful. I mean, it was yeah, it was. Listen, <laughs> WWF Bret Hart and WWE best... Bret Hart, admittedly, the like polar opposite. Yeah, right? but the. the the worst part about Bret Hart's WCW career, excuse me, the best part about his career was getting speared by Goldberg in Canada with a steel plate, and then they have the match, Bret Hart and Kit Goldberg, but we never got a payoff for it because Goldberg kicks him in the face. Yeah, he killed Bret Hart. Yeah, yeah he, he did. And um, so, yeah, uh, Bret Hart's, God, his WCW career was just insane, going from heel to face, heel to face, heel to face, working subpar matches. Um, you know, the one match that comes to mind is him and Sting, uh, Halloween Havoc 98. That's supposed to be like the battle. The sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just filled with Gaga, and he hit him with a bat 16 times, which is borderline murder. Yeah. Um, we talked just, about that on the show. Oh, oh yeah, we did. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, he, yeah, Sting does a stretcher job. And it's just like, what are we doing? You know, anyway. Um, the other, the other most disappointing thing about this match, PJ, was the fact that Peacock or WWE Network, whoever, wherever you're watching it, um, they don't have the rights to Jericho's WCW music, so we have to hear Walls of Jericho. Yeah, I love um, that Pearl that Pearl Jam track. That was really cool. Oh, it's so good. That and same thing with DDP's music. Yep. It was the um it was the Nirvana track. It was Spells yep. Like Teen Spirit. And, and, and we're gonna and we hear later on Hogan's theme, he doesn't have Voodoo. Oh Trout, yeah. Which is awkward because Tony Schiavone says um he mentions that he goes, Hogan always comes out to Voodoo Child and Bobby the Brain Heenan or Mike Tanay, one of them. He's like, Is that how you say that? And and they were expecting Voodoo Child to play, and then it's just the NWO thing. So the um, it's funny you do hear it once play when Hogan. I think when Hogan wins the title off the Giant at Hog Wild, um, I think as they're spray painting the belt in the back, um, or as they're celebrating in the back, 
the music plays in the background. Voodoo Child actually plays in the background. And I, oh, if I'm really? not mistaken, that's the only time on WWE Network or Peacock that you can hear Voodoo Child play I with the NWO round. I wonder if just like nobody caught it. They just missed it. Yeah, it yeah. could be. It or just, they didn't, or it just didn't play long enough to warrant needing the the copyright for it. So um, you know, we talked about uh, not having enough time. I don't know why this match was only six minutes. Um, Rick Steiner, Lex Luger, Scott Steiner, and Buff Bagwell. Um, again, we talked about the the dynamic here. Scott Steiner is running from Rick ever since he turned on him. Um, Buff and Scott try to get out of the match before it starts, so we get some Gaga Port matching the starts. Steiner Steiner lines into the ring, if you want to call it that, just completely beelines into the ring and, and doesn't really get his hands on Scott clean. Um, you know, I don't think enough gets said about Scott Steiner's Scott Steiner's comedic ability. Like we we always yeah. talk about the his his infamous math promo. Um, you know, if it's a one on one match, you got a fifty percent chance of winning. Um, but, but I'm a genetic freak. I'm a genetic freak. <laughs> Yeah, it's the Steiner math. It's very infamous known as Steiner math. But watching him go to the ring with Buff Bagwell and his cast and just sort of like elevating his hand on his shoulder to make sure he keeps his hand up, that sort of stuff. And then just running from Rick Steiner. It doesn't get talked about enough, but it's so good. Yeah, it is. And and I don't think Scott Steiner, because Scott Steiner is known as like, he's known as the genetic freak, the I'm your big bag booty daddy. Uh, Let's hear all you freaks out there. Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. That's what you know him as. We don't remember him as much uh, for this comedic stuff here. Um, well, even like in, in WWE, WWE when he finally got there and was rivaling with Tess, with the whole Stacey Keebler thing, he was doing some funny things there too, which I just love. But I, I agree with you. Yeah, very much so. And um, his comedic ability was almost as laughable as this match. It wasn't very good. No, it, it was, was too quick. It was very quick, but I... They're just trying to make us wait for Steiner Steiner. I, I, I get it. But what's – I mean, then why the Gaga? Why the – just have Buff Bagwell come out and say he can't compete and then Rick come out anyway. Why yeah. even attempt to have a match? This time could have been used for Henning and British Bulldog. Yeah. Um, I should also mention too um... – not to mention you have Lex Luger in the match. Like, good. I mean, when – talking about – he's going to be Buff the Hall of Famer. When Buff – what? I was gonna go ahead with Buff Bagwell. We'll, we'll get we'll get Buff Luger. Buff Bagwell is the most like athletic and the best wrestler in the match. That's saying something because Buff yeah. stuff. He ain't always the stuff, but he's the stuff when you compare him to Scott Steiner, Lex Luger, and Rick Steiner. I mean, good I mean, God. I mean, listen. For starters, the one thing I remember most about Scott Steiner in WWE was the, when they when they attempted to do the bench press competition. He said, "Let put up put up plates for my warm up." Put on 475. Like he was going to warm up with 475 on the bench press. Like it was just that's that's what sticks out to me is like that's the kind that? of nonsense they against, were going to do. Was that against Triple H? Yeah, he was doing it against Triple H. That was when he was rivalry. His rivalry with Triple H was. Didn't he do some sort of like strongman challenge with Mark Henry too? Or am I making that up? I think he might be making that up. I know we did an arm wrestle challenge with Triple H too. Somebody did. But I digress. Oh, maybe, um, it was, maybe it was like Tess was doing something, trying to pull something, and then Mark Henry was like, I can do it, and like did it. I can't remember. But yeah. um, I thought might have been Mark Henry and Big Show. That that sounds like something that they would that do. Sounds, that sounds more accurate. Um, but moving on to Lex Luger, like George will never watch this. And if George is listening to this or whatever the case is, then he knows that I'm talking about that George. Um, but – 
Luger will be a Hall of Famer, but he might cross might outside of Steve McMichael, who let's face it, was never a real wrestler to begin with, right? He was a football player. They tried to train. Lex Luger might be the most overrated wrestler of all time. Am I off base saying that? Um, no, you're not. I don't think you're off base. I mean, that's that's pretty um that's pretty accurate. I mean, yeah. he's he he never if not if not the overrated, he's definitely one of the uh, or not the most overrated. He's definitely up there. I think Hulk Hogan is the most overrated. Yeah, and, that's fair. And I'll, I'll die on that hill. Um, and then yeah. right after him is John Cena. But um, yeah, I was Listen, into like, but when I, before I knew any better, I was big into Lex Luger. WCW Lex Luger, him coming out with the white tights and the black uh, uh, knee pads and all that, just the simple strong dude that in my eyes was just running dudes over. I love the torture rag. Nobody else was doing the torture rag. And no. then I grew up and I was like, man, I this, this guy is terrible. It. And what's funny. So um, I'm going to give some behind the scenes. I have a live studio audience here. My mom's actually at the house listening as we record this, this show. Hi mom. Um, PJ says, hi mama frick. Um, so the first, re- the first wrestling gear I ever remember getting the first wrestling merch I ever had was a Lex Luger shirt. It was like, it was almost, it looked like the, the, um, the art was almost like the nasty boys, like graffiti, but in the shape of Luger with somebody in a torch rack. And we went, there was one summer we went to Gatlinburg with my mom. Was it, my was grandma. it, was it WCW or was it like, Narcissus? yeah, WCW. Oh, no, it was okay, WCW. Okay. It was you, a total you, package. Yeah. Gotcha. When you said the, 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 or when you said the nasty one, I thought of like the narcissist on the back, no. but yeah, the total package. I get it. Yep. Um, so we went to Gatlinburg. My mom and my grandma took my sister and I to Gatlinburg with little kids. And they go to those shops where you could screen print something on a hat or on a shirt, whatever the case is. So I got like a trucker hat. It was a blank white trucker hat. And it's a picture of Lex Luger with, I think, Sick Boy or somebody in the torture rack. And I put my face on Lex Luger's head. Um, so when I was a kid, I was a huge Lex Luger mark. Um, then you grew up. Then I grew up. And realized how actually bad he was. That's really funny. Uh, why did you, why did you choose Sick Boy? It was what no. Was it was it? just whatever. It was the stock was photo the they had of Luger. Oh, yeah, it was okay, the stock photo. It, yeah. I just I always try to figure out who it was that he had in the rack because I was like, who is that that he's got? Because you can't see his face. It's just a guy in like um almost like a like a singlet, and you can see the long hair, and he's just you know Luger just got him up in the rack, and um I I got a, that hat you know somewhere. you know what I bet you know who I bet it was I bet it was Brian Adams. And the reason, I, the reason I say that, I'm going back to Slamboree again. I had that VHS tape, the best of Slamboree. And on the back of it, I'm going to show it to you off the air because um, I have to find it. But uh, it shows Luger having Brian Adams in a, in a um, torture rack. And by the way, that matches in even on a Slamboree. But I don't know why it's there, but whatever. Um, but he's doing it. He's doing the torture rack. And Brian Adams got the long hair and yeah. he's got the singlet. So I thought about that. I mean, who is basically Crush? Uh, yeah. but, uh, but anyway... Uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I, I'm, I, I doubt that I'm going to be ever, ever find that. A hat's probably long gone, but I digress. Um, uh, next matchup of the card, they build as a non, um, a non, what was, what was the wording they used? Um, it was non-promoted, whatever the case was. It was a match that was not originally on the card. Unsanctioned, um, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, whatever it was. Psychosis taking on La Parca here. A cruiserweight match thrown in the middle of the card for whatever reason. In between... This match and the tag match between Hogan and Nash uh, taking on Piper and the Giant. We get Psychosis taking on Leparka seven minutes. This match got longer than both the Steiner match and the Bulldog-Hennig match. Um, 
PJ, I know, I know we kind of both love us some some psychosis. Um, I love the, the La Parca gimmick, the chairman of WCW, and his little dance always got me because whenever I played WCW Revenge, I would play with La Parca just yep. so I could hit the taunt. Um, or or you just be somebody else and just do the little circle on the on the joystick and you get to steal his taunt. Um, so that was that was always fun. But uh, and you and you always started with a chair. Yeah, you always start with a chair with a park. Yeah. Um, any 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 comments about this match, PJ? I didn't think it was that good. No, it wasn't. I want you know there was it was, but you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't great because I was looking forward to a cruiserweight match, but this match was very stiff, and it was two dudes just like kind of beating the hell out of each other, which is kind of fun. It was a uh, Japanese I, luchador match. It I, was yeah, crazy. I, I kind of liked that it was a little bit stiff, and I kind of liked that it was a little bit like, ooh, I don't, ooh, that, that was rough, you know? Because, I mean, things happen. You know, wrestling, that's the way wrestling is. Uh, it was a little bit more realistic than, uh, for lack of a better word, flippy-dippy shit, as Vader <laughs> would say. Yeah. Um, the late, great Big Van Vader. But um, I still to enjoyed be, the match, but it wasn't yeah. great. To be fair, um, Laparca did a really good job of protecting Psychosis. Correct. Like, he, Psychosis hit like a suicide dive over the top rope, and Laparca stood there and ate all of it to make sure that Psychosis wasn't going to land on his head. Correct. And yeah. the same thing happened where Psychosis hit like an, like it was a twisting moonsault off the top rope to the floor. And same thing, Laparca ate all of it to make sure that he was going to protect Psychosis. So kudos to Laparca there, making sure he's looking out for Psychosis in this match. Uh, real quick, um, I told you she was here. Uh, she's in here in the comments now too. Uh, Mama Frick throwing a little a little high-o watching watching behind me. Um, PJ, we're almost through this entire card here. Uh, like I said, this this Laparca match was thrown in before the tag team match. Hollywood Hogan and Kevin Nash taking on Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Giant. Thirteen minutes and twenty three seconds. This match was the longest match on the card. Go figure. Nash and Hogan were involved. This was going to go long. Um, there's so much that I want to get into about the next two matches, but I have to have this discussion. Um, you asked and break it down. What's my favorite baseball bat on a pole match? What is your favorite anything on a pole match, PJ? Oh, Viagra on a pole match. I just, I'm trying not to get worked up, but it's hard not to. The idea that anything is on a pole for a match that you have to get down to retrieve, whether it's Viagra, a baseball bat, uh, Judy Bagwell on a pole match. The um, jacket the jacket on a pole match from that uh, the UFC guy. He's bald. He's got the goatee. Um, Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott and some dude was on a jacket mat, jacket on a pole match. And a straight the, jacket? I don't was know. It? It was, no, no, no. It was just like a leather jacket uh, on a pole match. And uh, when he pulled him off the pole, dude took out a knife and was like, I, I could kill you right now. Yeah. Uh, that was real. I just, I don't get it, man. I think if I never see a uh, insert gimmick on a pole match ever again, I won't be upset. Like that's what ladder matches are for. Pull something, pull the Dominic Mysterio's uh, custody uh, papers on a pole. Okay, so uh, real real quick, I want to. I just want to. Um, since we're talking about on a pole match, I just want to kind of. Ex- um, uh, what's we're looking for? Explain. To Thank the, you. The yeah, for like for lack of a better word, I want elaborate to, uh, on what this elaborate. Is. There we go. That's the word. I can sometimes say them. All right, elaborate. Words are hard, PJ. Words yeah, are words hard. Are hard. 
Uh, let's see. It was Super Bowl 2000. Tank Abbott infamously pulled a knife out on Big Al and threatened that I can effing kill you right now. And it was the jacket on a pole match uh, at Super Bowl 2000. And um, Tony's commentary was trying his best to, to, to you know, chalk it up uh, to, you know, oh, I don't know what that was, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, it was crazy. But, yeah, I, it was something like he stole – he is a tank, like stole – or maybe Big Al stole his UFC jacket or like it's something like that. It was terrible. Yeah. But, anyway, when I think of on a pole match, I think of Tank Al coming – pulling out a knife yeah. On live television and saying, I could kill you right now. You won't find that in a football game. You'll just find guys hugging each other, which is Yeah, funny. so I think we need to explain to Bill what, a, what on a pole match is. And he probably knows what we're talking about. But I digress. So you've got four corners of the ring. One of those corners is going to have uh, a platform with a pole that leads up to the platform where you can grab whatever it is that they're on. There. Like that's, that's, the, it, it, there was no platform in this. That pole was just 15 the, feet yeah. tall. And... <laughs> To the poor, point where like, they were they were here, yeah. Yeah, poor He's Piper trying like to a... climb the pole, <laughs> and I'm like, Shh. and even yeah. he, even Heenan goes, who's who can climb that? And Piper's trying to climb it, and he goes, that's the wrong guy to be climbing the pole. And yeah, he hit the whole match like giant, climb up and get the back. Because what even giant had to step up and grab it. I mean, that's oh, yeah. all, dude. They were they were joking like this is teamwork. No, the giant's got to get up there and put his hand on Piper's Piper's rear end. To propel him up to get the bat. And then on top of it all, they get the bat and Hogan grabs it and throws it away. Because, like because the disciple, that evil disciple, the heel, had to give another bat to Hogan for Hogan to hit. So dumb. You know, so my, the biggest thing I hate about these matches is it's no disqualification, right? Why do we need a ref bump? No, I agree. If and it's no disqualification, who cares if the ref sees. If it's no disqualification, why is there a bat on a pole in the first place? Just beat the hell out of somebody with a chair, grab the bat. Like, we haven't said this this season yet, PJ. We are trying to add logic to an illogical situation. Oh, that is true. I, I That is That's always exactly my thing. What we're trying doing. to add logic to an illogical situation. It's impossible to do with wrestling. Um it's like a crazy king of the hill, kind that's of. Exact, yeah, that's similar. Good, to, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good that's analogy. Smart. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, you're a non-wrestling guy. That's, so that's, a, that's the, a really good analogy. Yeah. The thing is, too. So I thought the bat on the pole match was he hit him with the bat. That means he wins. That's the one. That's what it should be. No, but there was none of that. You the, if you get the bat, you get to use it. Like, what do you mean you get? Anything goes. What do you mean? Because, you yeah, if it's, if, it's, if, it's no if it's no disqualification, what stops me from just going to get a bat? Yeah, exactly. And that's what the disciple so, did. The disciple uh, you know, got a bat, and and I it just I I hate I hate dumb. I hate Gaga for the sake of Gaga. This was definitely it. Um, Piper swing in the, the again the psychology of this match here. Piper is swinging this bat on Hogan, hits him multiple times. And hits uh, Nash multiple times, but it takes one hit from uh, the disciple to Piper, and then Piper's one, two, three, and uh, just little little things like that. Because I'm big on psychology, uh, it's got to make sense. It's got to tell a decent story. And all you told here was just like you just needed to to book this as quick as possible. And I feel like it was booked in the ring. Um, didn't like it. I gave it a star. It was terrible. Non-ranked. It was a terrible match. It was a terrible idea. Anything on a pole can always um, go sit on one. I, see, I mean, what, what's the difference between on a pole? 
never mind. Uh, well, yeah, I guess never mind. No, 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 well, I, 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 in my head for a second, I was going to ask what's the difference between like on a pole and like money in the bank. But the match ends at the money in the bank. So it makes, uh, yeah, as I was saying it, I was like, okay, never mind. That's stupid. Yeah, the ladder, was, the ladder match when you're getting something that off, you know, from the top of a ladder. Once you secure what you're looking for, that's the end of the match. So, would an on a pole match be the same thing as, let's say, a bat match or a ladder match where you have to grab a bat and hit the person with the bat? That's the same thing as on a pole match, just not on a pole. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So and that's yeah, it'd be pretty terrible. It's, if you have to grab something on the ladder match off the ladder. You have to go up something and collect something so that you can use the weapon. That might as well be on a pole match. Might as well just put it on a pole. If I never have to see like somebody book in the future a insert gimmick on a pole match, you'll never hear me complain about it. Yeah, never hear me complain about it. I it's dumb. Many- like there's no there's no way around it. Like anybody booking on. Um, well, that was Russo. Pole. That no. was all Russo. Did you know that there were there were eight in the entire two decade history of Impact Wrestling? There have been eighteen on a pole matches with various items placed on said pole. Um, no, that's that's news to me. You know, the other thing that irritated me about this PJ was that it was in the corner that Hogan and Nash were supposed to use, so they had to like shift corners yeah. to the ring. I, I that's why WCW okay. isn't around anymore. Uh, like a coal that. miner. A coal miner's glove on a pole match. That was 92, Halloween Havoc. Chair on a pole match. We're going to go through these real quick, guys. Flag on a pole match. Um, that was... That's 99. a king of the hill for Bill. That's that's what king of yeah, the hill is. Yeah, there you go. Flag a flag on a pole match. Dean Malenko taking on a Canadian competitor in a flag match. Um, Nitro 99. A key on a pole match between Eddie and... Um, or Excuse me, Guerrero and Saturn. Lead pipe on a pole match that was Steiner Nitro or that was Steiner and uh, Sting. I actually remember that one. That was a Nitro two thousand. Crowbar in a pole match. Obviously, that was, uh, was that crowbar. crowbar and no, David Flair. No, that was that was Page and David Flair. Excuse me, Page and David Flair. Yeah, uh, stick, stick ball bat on a pole match. That was two thousand uh, Nitro. That was on 2000. Champagne bottle on a pole match. That was Canyon and Bam Bam Bicolo. Uh, WCW Thunder two thousand. 49ers Gold Rush match. Those were four poles. Oh, four poles uh, with Jeff Jarrett and Booker T. Holy, there it is. Leather jacket <laughs> on a pole match. Leather jacket on a pole match. Late 99 UFC fighter Take Abbott uh, was taking on Big Al for a leather jacket. Who is Big match. Al? Uh, you don't remember Big Al? I don't Big Al, Big man. Al. I don't know who Big Al is. Um, <laughs> this is almost this is almost as bad as the Mexicals. This is Pinata on a pole match, uh, Nitro 99. Uh, this is also the way to introduce uh, Oklahoma, who was the supposed to be making the JR with several yeah. poles. Yeah, disgusting. Viagra on a pole match, of course. We know who that was. That was Shane Douglas and Billy Kidman. That was 2000 so, Nitro. Quick, quick question to interrupt you real quick. The Pinata on a pole match, that wouldn't go over today, right? That would that would, that'd be really quick – I wish, was, I wish Vince, I wish Vince would do it with the new LWO, so they could actually like truly cancel Vince and get him out. Oh, this was a five-way match where there was Silver King, L. Dandy, Psychosis, Hubertu Career, and Villano V. It resulted in yeah, a no yeah, contest. Yeah. yeah, so nobody got the pinata. Okay, Judy Bagwell on a forklift, which is the same thing. It was Buff Bagwell. Judy Bagwell on a pole. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was uh, new, uh, new rising, two thousand, and then Hardcore Title on a pole match. 
uh, Brian Knobs, Norman Smiley, and a bunch of other unknown performers. The bout was a weapons fest cluster at the end. Knobs survived the free for all to retain his irrelevant title. Oh, it's a, it was a it's a ladder know, match, but it was on a pole. Yeah, it was a ladder match, but it was on a pole. So I mean, I, that makes a little bit of sense, I guess, but it's still pretty stupid. Um, yeah, that was all the on a pole match. I'm sorry that we took a break to talk about that cringiness, but I'm glad you came along for the ride. You know what also was a ride? This next match It's probably to me the best match on the card. Yeah, we're gonna we, we're we're up against it, and I don't want to rush through it here. Um, the United States Championship is on the line as Raven takes on DDP. Raven has stolen the title. Uh, but DDP is still the champion. This match goes 11 minutes, 52 seconds, the second longest match on the card. A lot of Gaga in this match. Everybody in the flock gets gets involved. We yeah. see the the introduction of Horace, who would eventually become Horace Hogan for yeah. NWO he, Hollywood. The, Horace, the Horace Boulder is what he started off yeah. as. Horace Boulder, he would be kayfabe Hollywood Hogan's nephew. Um, and oh, no, he's, he, he really is uh, Hogan's nephew. Is he really? Yes, yeah, what do you got? I yeah. thought it was kayfabe. Yeah. No, no, no. no. It was Bol- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, really, that's, it really is. That's, that's news to me. But, yeah, so we get to see the introduction of Horace, who hits DDP with a uh, stop sign. Uh, DDP would make it even flowed onto a kitchen sink that Raven ate most of. But you get the one, two, three, and Raven will be the United States champion for less than 24 hours as he would lose the title to Goldberg the next night on Nitro. Um, probably match number two as far as quality on the card. I think it's the best match on the card. I actually, I, I love these DDP Raven matches. Uh, that's why I love the next, the match after this, the next pay per view at Slamberry '98 with them in the cage, and that's actually where we get the uh, debut of Canyon, who has been Mortis this whole time. Mortis, yeah. And we see him. At, <clears throat> excuse me, we see him as Canyon, which is great. But God, excuse me, I love, love this match because I love the the chemistry between these two. Good stuff. Yeah, it was a really good and match. And we're only and we're only a few months away, Frick, from DDP winning World War Three and challenging uh, Goldberg for the World Heavyweight Champion. It's it's terrific. Yeah, listen, this is on the. I want to say it was on the rise. This is sort of like peak DDP. Like this is right in the middle of his uh, super super heavy yeah. push, where the crowd was behind him. He was the People's Champion, or heading that direction. I actually, I actually wrote in one of my notes that when he hit the diamond cutter on Kidman, uh, when he turned him around and diamond cutter, that like God, that crowd popped. Oh and yeah, the God. diamond cutter was the move that got everybody yeah. to pop. Period. That was the most pretend. That was the stunner, and, and yep. you know that was that that was it. Yeah, it was really good. Um, we have reached the end of the main, the the end of the pay per view. Easy for me to say. Um, the world heavyweight championship is on Words the line. Words are hard. Words are hard. Baby. Sting defends against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, this match, uh, before the, the show started, was uh, designated as no disqualification. So you knew there was going to get stuff involved. Miss Elizabeth with Edith Stinger Splash in this match. Uh, you'd see Kevin Nash get involved. Um, you'd see Hogan get involved. Yeah, Hogan would get involved because Hogan, Hogan he's the only one in the interview that could be champion. Yeah. And Nash is going to do everything he can to make sure that's not the case. Um, and therefore, Nash would hit the jackknife on Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Savage would crawl over and get the three count no, no, uh, no. from a. He would Nash would hit the jackknife on Sting, and Savage. That's what I said. Oh, Sting, hit said Savage. I'm sorry, I thought you said Savage. My bad. No, no, yeah, he hits the hits the jackknife on Sting. Uh, Savage crawls over, gets the pin. Uh, Charles Robinson um, has a slow three count because he's obviously taken a ref bump in this match. Again, again, no disqualification. Why the ref bump? Um, Hogan could have came out there and interfered, taken Savage down, and then later on, you know. Um, 
Yeah, the match was okay. I gave it two and a half stars. Wasn't great. Um, I love Sting in this era. This is obviously my, one of my favorite Sting eras. Sting is, you know, my, my top dude. Um, the match was just okay. I don't think it really needed the Gaga, but you could have Sting lose clean because he's he's still your guy. I think the uh, wrong right. the wrong guy won. Sting had no business losing this match. I don't you think, care you think if you're trying. Kept- yeah, I don't. I know. I know the story they're trying to progress is is Sting, um, or, or Savage is now going to go against Hogan for the title, and that's how that's how they get the title off of Sting is they give it to. to Savage in a dirty match, so Savage can turn around and lose it to Hogan again, and then, and then Goldberg and then Goldberg defeats. Hogan yeah, but you, you don't Atlanta. need any of it. Like, let's you still don't. like no, you don't. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. And again, it's piss poor booking for WCW uh, 1998. Yeah. Um, and so again, Randy Savage is your new world heavyweight champion. Um, PJ, uh, again, this is normally we'll take a break, but before we get into the, into the final segment of the show, uh, eloquently called the curtain call, we're gonna. Do another top five countdown this week. Um, final thoughts on Spring Stampede 1998. Entertaining pay-per-view. I'd give it three and a half stars out of five. It, it was entertaining, and it was typical WCW. Still fun, campy stuff. Little things that we can nitpick about, but it still was good wrestling, and I enjoyed it. Um, and I just love the nostalgia factor of it. And we hope you guys do too, man. Like, Go out of your – go take some time out of your day to uh, watch uh, Spring Stampede 98, man. It, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a good pay-per-view. At least, if you want to take an hour of your time, and the three matches I would suggest you watch from this card are uh, Booker T and Chris Benoit for the Television yeah. Championship. Uh, obviously, the United States Championship match of Raven DDP, and then the World Heavyweight Championship match, Sting versus yeah. Savage. I, I mean, those are the three. You could get away with watching those three matches that, that would give you a li- little less than an hour, and you can sort of get the uh, the gist of what this pay-per-view was about. I agree. Um, That's good. That's good uh, assessment. Um, PJ, we uh, normally would take a break here, but we're getting right into the curtain call because we're up against it here. If you missed last week's live show, the curtain call is where PJ, Steve, and I are going to be giving you a top five countdown every week, top five list wrestling related. And this week's top five list came from PJ, Steven, and we are going to count down our top five cruiserweights of all time. We had two cruiserweight matches on this card with Psychosis and La Parca. And Chris Jericho and Prince Iakea, who would eventually we didn't even and, talk and, about. This. And we had we had Chavo and Ultimo Dragon too. Oh yeah, that's fair. So three cruiserweight matches on this card, but something we didn't mention about Prince Iakea, um, when they would try to give him a little bit more of a push and give him a heel run, he was the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Maybe you, that's why. That's another reason I probably hate him. That's probably why you don't like him. PJ, give me your number five cruiserweight of all time. So my number five, um, it's hard to rank these, man, because cruiser the cruiserweight division in WCW was just so terrific. And by the way, this doesn't have to be all WCW. Most of mine are, just because mm. the way it is. But they don't have it didn't have to be. Uh, but my top five, and we definitely love to hear your guys' top five too. Put them in the comments. Put them uh, after uh, after the fact. Tweet them. Whatever you got to do. But uh, my number five, I'm gonna go Dima Linko. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm giving my number five is. Um... Well, I, can't, I, I just had it in my mind, and I don't think it's the right name. I've got Okada, but that's not it. Um, who is the uh, the the time bender, the the time traveler? Um, oh, why can't uh, I say his Kushida. name? Kushida. That's where I got it mixed up. Okada Kushida. Kushida. Even you though know, I couldn't get his name right, he's yeah, my Kushida. number five cruiserweight of all time. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, number number four. I'm actually going to go old school again and go uh, Billy Kidman. I think that's Billy a good Kidman, one. Billy Kidman was one of the best cruiserweights because he was able to. Uh, hold it with the guys who have been doing it for a long time, whether it was AAA wrestling or Luchador or the Japanese style, and he he could still hold it together and uh, for 
for an American, um, which is great. Uh, Billy Kidman, yeah, number four. I love Billy Kidman, but every time he hit his finisher, it scared me that he was going to break his neck, especially that one night that he didn't get off the ropes and his legs clipped the rope. Oh, yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah um, my Billy, number... Billy, Billy Kidman did it a thousand times. Lesnar did it once and messed it up. Yeah. Um, once, but you know what I mean. My number four was your number five, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but Dean Malenko. Uh, not a guy that did all the – the flippy floppy stuff. He wasn't an, an agile cruiserweight by chance, by any means. Um, but if I, with my size, like when I was obviously a smaller guy in my younger years, um, Dean Malenko would have been the wrestler that I would have wanted to emulate. The the technical savvy, the power with the fact that he was as he was as small as these other cruiserweights, but he was beating him up like he was a heavyweight, just tossing around a bunch of a bunch of smaller dudes. Loved watching Dean Malenko. That was that's my number four. Nice. Um, what are we on number? Th- yeah, number three, number three is actually the current uh junior IWGP heavyweight champion, and that is uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Um, I think that he is just an amazing cruiserweight, an amazing lightweight, whatever you want to call him. And um, I think he's he's the guy right now, and uh, big fan of his. Good stuff, yeah. Um, we mentioned him all over the show here. My number three has to go to Ultimo Dragon. One time he was an eight belt holder or nine belt holder at one time. Nine belts from all over the globe, including the WCW Cruiserweight Championship um, that he held. Um, Ultimo Dragon's got to be the number three uh, cruiserweight or junior heavyweight uh, champion or, or wrestler in history. PJ, who is your number two? Number, my number two is Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, just an, an amazing talent. Uh, obviously, he held the junior um, uh IWGP heavy or junior heavyweight champion. Uh, he held a WCW cruiserweight champion. He wrestled a fantastic match against Tyler Breeze in NXT. Um, His only match in WWE history. I uh, just only amazing, match. went into the Hall of Fame. We had an amazing uh, retirement uh, for Wrestle Kingdom uh, back in the day where he actually took on Hiromu Takahashi in a tag match. Six-man tag match, I think. Or maybe a regular tag uh, for his final match. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, Juice of Thunder Liger, the man. I think our number one and two are going to be identical. My number two is also the man, Jushin Thunder Liger. Who is your number one, PJ? I think it, number one it goes is, without saying. No, no, it's not. It's it's not. We're not the same. Because my number one is Ultimo Dragon. Really? Ultimo Dragon, to me, is the epitome of cruiserweight. It's not Rey Mysterio, who was your number one. And I already know that. Uh, great. I mean, Rey Mysterio is fantastic. He just, he's, he's like my number six or seven. Ultimo Dragon is my number one. Listen, I love Ultimo Dragon. He was obviously my number three for a reason. Rey Mysterio changed the game. He made people think differently about small dudes in a wrestling ring. He was doing things out here that nobody else was doing. He, I couldn't tell you how many knee surgeries that he's had because I'm, I'm not his keeper. But um, it seemed like every other year is having knee surgeries. Five or six now. I think it's been more than that. I mean, he, he blew That's out. Right. He, he did. He did do all those things. No argument. Although I will argue that it was more. I think Sean and Brett who changed a lot of the promoters' mind about who we can put in the ring um, that were smaller than her. Uh, you know, roided up freaks. But um, uh, no, Rey Mysterio is fantastic. I'm not debating it. Uh, to me, Ultimate Dragon is still just the. He to me, he was the yardstick. Uh, even hold to your point, holding all eight of those belts in all different promotions. Um, I mean, he was FTR before FTR was, you know, in, in their daddy's testicles. Um, Ultimo Dragon, <laughs> Ultimo Dragon is to me, I think he's the best, cru- he's the greatest cruiserweight. All right. So here's a, here's a curveball throwing at you on the fly here. 
Um, besides meeting him and getting him to sign a mask, what's your favorite Ultimo Dragon moment? Mm, um, it's tough. Probably his match with, uh, well, okay, definitely one of his matches against his match against Eddie Guerrero, uh, Slambury '98. Uh, this next pay per view is really really great, but he took on Rey Mysterio. Uh, I want to say it was Super Brawl '96 or '97. I could be totally wrong about that, yeah. but um, I, I that is one of my favorite matches uh, of all time. It's uh, Ultimo Dragon and um, and uh, uh, Rey Mysterio. Baker and Bill, Baker Bill, his favorite memory of Ultimo Dragon is when he fought Godzilla. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that makes, that makes <laughs> sense. Makes he also. Uh, he also was, says that he has two belts um, to to boot to, so he's 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 a little step closer to being ultimate dragon because so he's got two belts. I'm just I like I'm him. loving I'm loving Bill getting involved. Um, so it was Ramus during Ultimate Dragon Spring Stampede '97. Ironically, the the year prior, but yeah. also they fought on a SmackDown um, uh, uh, in 2000. I guess it had to have been 2003 or four, which I don't. Um, that's not the one I'm thinking of. But uh, the one I was actually thinking of originally was Ultimate Dragon and Rey Mysterio at WCW Hog Wild 96. Great yeah. match. Fantastic. Um, but uh, even even all of uh, Ultimate Dragon's uh, All Japan or New Japan stuff, I mean, it's just tremendous. He, he's just fan he's fantastic. So I'm going to throw another one at you because I've got mine. Do you have a favorite Rey Mysterio moment? Uh, between the ladder match for the custody of Dominic, him and then him winning the World Tag Team Champion, but the best memory is Kevin Ash uh, freaking lawn dotting him into that freaking trailer. Dude, if you've never seen this, and I know if Bill's still in here, he's never seen it. Um, there was an angle when the NWO was originally taking over. Um, it was, NWO was taking over, and it was on Monday Nitro, and all of a sudden they, they says there's a commotion in the back, and everybody leaves the ring and goes out back, and there's just this like this this gang fight outside. And uh, the NWO was just wreaking havoc, beating people with baseball bats. Um, and Rey Mysterio jumps out of a trailer, and Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio is five foot three. Kevin Nash is seven foot two, and just catches Rey Mysterio and just launches him in the side of this trailer like a lawn dart. Yeah, it's um, awesome. It's one of the greatest visual things in, in all of wrestling history. The scene got so chaotic, and this is a very famous story. The scene got so chaotic that neighbors in the area called the authorities because they thought there was an actual gang fight going on yep. and actual EMS, actual police and everything showed up um, to this scene. It was, uh, it was great. And Bill, I've got Bill excited. He needs to see that YouTube. Where he was doing yeah. It, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, I would also look up uh, if you can guys uh, talk about Ultima dragon, probably another great match. That's fantastic. It, it has by one and two is juice of thunder liger and also a dragon in the Tokyo dome in 1993. Uh, fantastic stuff there. So uh, great stuff. Um, real quick before we sign off, I want to give a thanks. Uh, thanks to the people who joined in um, a little quieter of a, of a crowd tonight, but we were also talking some, some classic wrestling and people might be more in tune to the stuff going on now. Um, shout out Desmond Johnson for giving the like on Facebook, everybody who watched on YouTube and Facebook tonight, special shout out to the football show co-host, Banker Bill, for being here uh, for the majority of this of this show. Um, PJ looks like he might be have found something here um, before we sign off here. But uh, once he gets his headset on, I'm going to thank him for, for joining us tonight. And um, and we're going to sign off. PJ, um, it looks like you had found something. You're looking for something here. No, um, I, had to plug, I had to plug in my laptop. Excuse me.
Oh, uh, and PJ, that's that that's PJ's sign off. He didn't quite make it to log off of his computer. Um, thanks once again to PJ. Uh, if you missed it, beginning of the show, he will be doing his last concert with Guardians Warlock um, in two weeks at the comic book store down in Charleston. Um, so make sure you go check that out. Make sure you go follow him on, on social media. Guardians apostrophe Warlock. Guardians with an apostrophe S. Uh, Warlock. Um, but that's all we've got for the wrestling show. I guess PJ got tired of uh, of, of Banker Bill's mouthing off about the football. Um, and uh, and it is it is is oh hey my my, my, la- my laptop was dying and I didn't realize and I was like oh let me get the cord real quick and there was no way. Well, PJ, remind us the date. I was telling everybody to make sure they go check your your final concert out down in Charleston. Remind us the date and place where they can where they can go see you perform. Uh, Soundwave Comics. April 22nd, it is Record Store Day, so there's going to be killer sales on records, obviously, and then he's going to have some nice comic book sales, too, which is great. But uh, Soundwave Comics, man, it is the place to be in Somerville and Charleston for comic books and records and multimedia. Funko Pops, if you're into that kind of stuff, toys, all that stuff. But the best part about it is you're going to have the greatest heavy metal band in Charleston, three-time winner of Best Metal Band, Guardians Warlock. For the final time, selfishly uh, getting on the stage one more time before I head out west. And uh, we're really, really excited about it. Uh, genuinely, or um, genuinely, it's going to be um, super, super fun. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing everybody, man. I mean, it's it's uh, seriously uh, one more time is kind of hard to do. But if we always said that if we would do one more, it'd be for old Mr. Greg. So it's going to be super fun. The bands that we're playing with are fantastic. And um, yeah, anything for the Charleston music scene, man. Uh, I'll 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 die for it. And uh, definitely do one more um, with the band before I head out. It's going to be bittersweet, but it's time to go. Well, PJ, this has been a fun show. We've gone long once again because these live shows, we, we have a lot more fun yeah, uh, we trying do. to interact with everybody. So thanks, PJ, for, yeah, for you joining guys, me. Yeah, you guys comment which, uh, which you know, deep dive would you like us to do next? Any kind of classic pay-per-view? I love doing them. I love going back and rewatching old stuff. Um Really, really fun stuff. I, I love going back from the nostalgic factor. And then you just kind of remember stuff. You kind of remember that, uh, oh, man, I really enjoyed that. Or, uh, you know, if we wouldn't have picked this, we wouldn't have gone off on the tangent on the pole on the on the on a pole match, yeah. which is just so fun. Um, we should mention that we have in the past have done live watch alongs and we have we have done listener requests uh, as far as watching old shows to our no, we, or to our we, enjoyment. We've done we've done Every listener request, actually, we have. Yeah, you don't, we have. You don't say that we've done listener. We every every single thing that someone has suggested, we've done it. We've watched it. Yeah. So if there's something you want us to watch and review, make sure you go and let us know on social media at Tapouts and TDs on Twitter. That's across un- underneath my name here on the screen on Facebook.com/slash Tapouts and Touchdowns. And we will um, review anything. We will do a WrestleMania to November to remember 2006. We will do the good and the god awful. Yeah, or we'll so. watch a fo- or we'll watch a football game, which is equally as god awful as November to dismember or um, November to remember. Or no, it was December to dismember two thousand six. That was yeah. god awful. PJ will get there at some point. PJ, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, everybody else, thanks for joining. Whether you're watching it live or listening to it on the podcast, thanks for joining us. Um, this coming week again, um, we've got the premiere of my new Panthers podcast with Michael Davis, who's a former guest of the show. Um, a cat, it's called the Cat Cave, a Carolina Panthers podcast that will be airing later this week. Stay tuned to my social media because that's where I'm going to tell you where you can find it. And then on Thursday, we'll have an all new football episode of the show. As a matter of fact, 
It'll go live Wednesday. Bill and I, Baker Bill and I talked about going live Wednesday. So we're going to do another live football episode um, and get y'all excited for this week's uh, USFL premiere and the XFL Week 9 action. We are down here at the end of the season going towards the playoffs. Two playoff seeds have been set or two playoff teams have been set and two teams have been eliminated. So we got some good football coming up this weekend. Uh, But for tonight, it's P for PJ Stevens, your guy, Bully Rye, for Tap House and Touchdowns. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Tap House and Touchdowns because I'll be around.